The Isle of Man General Election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. Good evening and welcome live to the Paul Rose Community Pub. Constituency debate. Douglas South boundaries include the districts of Annika, Balafton, and Paul Rose. Uh, the MHKs before the House of Keys was dissolved on the 12th of August were Claire Christian and Paul Quine. There are four candidates for this constituency for two weeks tomorrow Claire Christian, Gerard Higgins, Sarah Maltby, and Paul Quine. Tonight we'll hear from them. We'll also hear from the audience at the Pool Rose Community Pub. I'll have to tell you, I'm sitting just in front of the pool table <coughs> by the oven. I've never done that before. First of all, why do you want to be MHK for Douglas South? Claire Christian. Thank you, Andy. Um, my name is Claire Christian. I was um, born and I was also educated on the Isle of Man, and I currently live in Saddlestone in the Douglas South constituency. Um, I, uh, I, I basically got into um, be being a politician be before I got elected about uh, six months or seven months before and that was due to the pandemic and I started helping with the, um, the local businesses and self-employed people and helping them to understand the business support and widening that support to them. Um, Growing our existing economy is one of my um, three top national priorities um, and because 70% of our local economy is based on small businesses and self-employed people. Um, I want to be the MHK because, uh, because I have... Uh, it's been, it's my calling. It's been something that I've really, um, really put my heart and soul into, absolutely helping the people of Douglas South and nationally and really making a difference. And I've been reminded of that when I've gone around the constituency, um, meeting people and, and seeing their point of view and them giving me wonderful feedback um, and seeing the effect, whether it be a motion, whether it be a, a, a vote or whether it be a speech that I've made or something actually that's in policy. It's really helped a lot of people. OK, Gerard Higgins. Thank you, Andy. Good evening, everyone. Um, I want to be a breath of fresh air to Manx politics. I think government is working in silos. It's lost touch with its employers, namely you, the people. Uh, it's time to end overspending on gold-plated projects, endless layers of management and bureaucracy, and the ever-increasing wage bill. I'm standing for joined-up government, efficient government that's open, transparent and accountable, and government that goes back to the basics of working for you, the people, our community and local businesses. Sarah Maltby. Hello. In January 1985, I was born into a life where public service and duty and responsibility was taken very seriously. Although I didn't realise that at the time, my community first views were being formed by the customers in our family-run business and the Douglas South constituents that surrounded me. I was not always sheltered from experiences that highlighted the dire social inequalities we still sadly see today, and I spent a considerable amount of time listening and seeing how responding concerns and always being available is just what you did. I've spent 20 years of my life caring for young children and adults with additional and complex needs. In that time, my resilience, compassion and ability to form trusted relationships has meant I can relate on a human level to people who rarely ask for help or live in a fear of a system that doesn't always appear to fit their needs. This must change. Paul Quine. Thank you, Andy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not one to sit on the sidelines. As a local lad who grew up in the area, I chose to stand in the by-election last year because there were certain local issues which, due to the lack of representation, had been allow allowed to gather momentum. 
In addition, there were certain national issues which had been allowed to drift. I'm a proud and passionate Manxman who likes to get things done for the best of Douglas South and our island. Having served the constituency, I believe I've gained valuable experience. That is something which, if re-elected, I'm sure will stand me in good stead for the times which lie ahead of us. I want to start with a, a local issue, and we'll start reverse uh, alphabetical order. Paul Quine, what is going on at Snaefell Surgery, and how can it be solved? It's a, it's a very good question, Andy, and it's, it's something which you know, matters to so many people, not just here in Douglas South, but in the uh, adjacent um, constituency of Midland and in the sort of wider um, part of the town. The, 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 to get to the crux of the issue, the issue is the funding off the surgery, or more particular, the mechanism, the formula off the funding. So that needs to be addressed. So we need to sit down, whoever's re-elected, needs to sit down with the Department of Health and Social Care, and we need to look at the actual formula, because the formula is not working with regard to Snaefell surgery. Sarah Maltby. We need to reassure our constituents if elected that their views matter and that they are listened to at the moment. I feel like the communication to residents hasn't been what it should have been. Uh, there might be funding issues, but really, if you've got a bad knee, if you don't feel very well, you need to know that your surgery is there and it's ready for you. Yeah, they, and at the, the, the moment, the patients don't care who funds who. No, they just exactly. want their they knee. Want, they want the job yeah. sorted. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I want to be able to get into the House of Keys to be able to put these issues right. Has this been coming up on the doorstep? Uh, to be honest, it hasn't as much as I thought it would be because, to me, it's a, a, ma a massive issue. Uh, it's one that's dragged on, really, for the last year. I mean, there was something that came out not long ago, uh, but there was previous uh, discussions about this, and we, we thought we'd uh, had that issue sorted, but obviously not. Gerard Higgins. Uh, I, I think there's a wider issue here as well. Obviously, we have to look after our own community first, but f uh, first and foremost, I think the wider issue here is getting more GP numbers on the ground, not just from the UK. We need to look wider and make sure that we have the number of GPs there to be able to give the support to our community, because what people want more than anything is the ability to go along and see their GP rather than just phone calls all the time. They want that ability to be able to go in and talk to someone and this must be a major priority of whoever is elected in this constituency. Claire Christian. There is a national GP shortage in the UK and if we want to attract GPs to the Isle of Man we need to aggressively do this now. We need to get the Department of Enterprise to absolutely work with, the, with Visit Isle of Man um, and get, get the GPs to know that we're here because it is a funding issue but we absolutely need to attract these this higher level skilled um, people to the Isle of Man and that is absolutely crucial for Douglas South. We must look to incentivise it, you know, even if there's tax measures or something, we've got to look at some incentives to actually get GPs here and staying here because what else we're doing is we're just paying agency fees. We want to actually put the money... Well, there are locums at Snaefell at the moment, aren't yes, they, but which we, are expensive. If you actually look at agency fees paid out across government in the last year, uh, it was a budget of £1.7 uh, we paid about £9.8 Now, that is not just necessarily healthcare, but again, it's just paying out agency fees rather and what we want to do is be paying salaries to get those people actually here on the island and more importantly retaining them. And some of those locums actually are former partners of the surgery. I mean they're passionate, they believe in, in the people of, of Douglas South. They want, to, they want to give the best provision and deliver the best health care and well-being so across the area. But in, in a microcosm, this is the difference between, this, the well, breakdown the, between what, the, the voters wrong, and, and the government. What's gone wrong is, is, is bureaucracy. It's a bureaucratic victory here yes. because the funding model is, is, is effectively broken. And unless we fix the funding model, we won't address the issues at the surgery. But they said it was fixed. 
Well, unfortunately, it wasn't because the dynamic of the patients at Snaefell Surgery does not suit the funding model. So what we need to do is take a fresh look at the funding model in order to be able to fund the surgery properly to deliver the health care that our people rightly deserve. Uh, Sarah Maltby, let's talk about young voters. Are you confident that young voters, 16-year-olds and upwards, are going to be turning out two weeks tomorrow? Well, I'd like to think so. I've been banging the drum about it for a long time. This isn't just a one-issue now we talk about on the run-up to a general election. This has been something that I've been talking about for a long time. I work in Balakimian High School at the moment, uh, so I've got those people at my disposal that I've been trying to talk to and invigorate. I mean, even the people that I've been talking about when I go around the constituency, the amount of kids that you get following you on their scooters, it's brilliant, you know, they're asking questions. So I don't understand how, when they get from this to the actual register, what happens, what uh, what stops them from registering in the first place? Is it parents? Uh, do they not feel confident in the system and they're concerned that they don't want their... Um, the children to get involved in it, you know, and, and, and distance themselves from politics, and I think they shouldn't. Uh, there's nothing to be scared of. This really, we need to open the, up the door. Uh, Gerard Higgins, what will be your message now if somebody is age 16 registered to vote in Douglas South? What will be your, apart from vote Higgins, of course? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I would say is we need to really address this whole issue of young people and getting them to engage. One of my proposals is that we need to have focus groups where we're sitting down, we're talking with these people, we're seeing what their needs are. They are our future generation. We need to be investing in them. Uh, we need to be looking at what activities we've got for them in the community, not just in our community alone, but across the island as well. So we need to be really engaging with them. Uh, Claire Christian, do you think politics and young people are connected? Um, I, I absolutely think they should be. I don't think they perhaps are enough right now. I think that's absolutely true, Andy. Um, I know that when I've gone round um, on the doorstep and I have interacted with young people, a lot of it has been questions about well, who are you, what you know, what's an MHK, even to that level. Um, and it's just really just speaking to them just on a normal basis, just saying, look, how politics affects you, whether that's in your education, whether that's with your jobs. It's really just talking to them like normal people and just absolutely treating them like adults. It's as they deserve. It's a shame you. that you only tend to hear from people if there's a problem. It'd be so much better if we can get more young people involved in helping to set policy and talk about that and be more uh, proactive rather than just coming to us as, if there's a problem. And Paul Quine. That's why we need Paul things Qu like focus groups. OK, Paul no, Quine. Thank you, Andy. Uh, yeah, the, one of the big issues about it is, and, and, and young people who I've spoke to, the, the, the quite upsetting thing is that they, they don't wish to vote because they feel that there's nothing worth voting for. And that, that, that's the issues that we have to address with people. We have to, uh, to, to, to engage with young people. We have to show them that their future is, is rightly their vote, and their vote counts for something. So I think we have to ensure that, that we, we provide something for them tangibly to see worth voting for. OK, um, and obviously... Every one of us were, was young once. Uh, I mean, when did you first? When did you first become politically active? When did you first notice that politics mattered? Well, at school, I mean, I've always had a, a keen interest in history, and we used to have some very good debates. Actually, uh, I remember uh, at um, at Balakamim with the with, with the late Jeff Hawkins. He was someone who who, who looked to question why certain aspects of, of history happened politically and, and it was very engaging. It, it really generated a lot of interest in the class. So I feel that's a, a really good way that, that teachers can actually engender into young people the, the desire to, to engage politically. Okay. Um, and uh, Sarah Maltby, obviously you're, uh, you're at uh, Balakameen High School as well. I mean, when I've talked to the, uh, the, the pupils of Balakameen High School, they say, we do politics, but we talk about America. We don't do Manx politics. Mm, we don't, yeah. The mm. Manx politics isn't on the 
curriculum. Yeah, it's really frustrating, especially when you talk about Tim Day or did you go and visit Tim Day? What did you think of it? What? You know, why? You know, I continuous parliament. Absolutely, you know, I'm incredibly proud to be from the Isle of Man, but it really does frustrate me sometimes that you kind of, I don't, I don't understand why other people don't think the same as me. You know, I was obviously born into Manx politics, but at the same time, I actively been involved in this myself for very actively for the last 15 years at least. Okay, Gerard Higgins, what's been coming up on the on the doorstep as you've been knocking doors? Well, if we look at local issues, one of them main things that people are talking about is things such as our roads, our pavements. They're very much back to basics that people are seeing that money's being spent on these large projects, continual overspending of projects, and what they're wanting is to basically have decent roads, decent pavements. That is something that's absolutely key to people. And we need to be remembering as politicians that we need to look after our local community as well. I think there's many politicians that what happens is once they get elected, they distance themselves almost. And it's getting into dealing with these projects at national level rather than dealing with things at local level. And it's... I suppose it shouldn't be surprising, but the number of times that things such as roads and pavements and our basic infrastructure has come up, and I do really think we need to get back to basics. Claire Christian. So on that roads and pavements, I basically started when I, when I first got in, I did a strategy where I went round and logged as many as I could in the constituency because that mattered to me. Lo- and sorry, you logged what? Log- logged with the DOI, oh, as I many see. as I could. Um, because, as I say, that, that there's exactly those local issues that mattered to me then and they matter to me now. Um, one of the things that I... Always Also here is obviously about the housing. Um, There's a lot of um, parents and young people concerned about getting on the housing ladder. Um, And this has been a really, really big issue for for many, many people of Douglas South. Um, And this obviously is a a national wider issue. And there are solutions to this. And we need to now build more social housing because there is a lack of social housing. It means there's more private rentals, which is driving up the private rental. And then obviously it's driving up the house prices for buy to let. Um, We have invested in social housing for such a long time, especially in Douglas South, and this has got to be something that this next administration needs to address. All quiet. Yeah, I mean, touching on the roads and pavements and what Gerard's just said about politicians in the, the national view as opposed to the, to the local view. So when I was re-elected, sorry, when I was elected last year at the by-election, one of the first things uh, I did, along with Claire, was to, was to ensure that um, we, we, we tried our best to, to bring pavements and, and roadways up to some sort of acceptable level. And this ensured... Uh, this, involved such things as um, improving access in and out of uh, Lennox Park for people of impaired mobility because I, I was staggered walking round the state of the pavements and it's only when you actually see someone who, who has mobility issues that you actually appreciate the sheer difficulty that they have in just their day-to-day life having having reasonable access to anywhere. Um, uh, Sarah Maltby, what have you picked up on the uh, on the uh, doorsteps? Uh, well, there's two things. Uh, first thing, uh, walking around Spring Valley, people are absolutely terror. They, they are so fed up of uh, false promises, of plans that have been uh, cast and then changed again. Um, I, I'd like to sort of uh, listen to the people, obviously, and uh, create some sort of residence association. Uh, I, I want to see if we can maybe do that if elected. Uh, I think that at the time we need to be able to talk to those people and actually hear their views and, and get communication approved. The second thing, when it comes to roads and pavements, I have a six-year-old son. Uh, if there's anything that's going to go wrong, my son's going to find it. If there's a, if there's a crack in the, the pavement, he's going to trip over it. Uh, so I don't just see these as an outsider. I walk the streets of South 
Douglas and I have done for 36, for a long time, 36 years, and even more so now with my children. Okay, and Claire Christian, I want to talk about uh, police and law and order and antisocial behaviour. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think is, uh, it's been reported, we talk about it on the Manning Line all the time, uh, Paul Rose, Annika uh, isn't a, a stranger to anything like that. Uh, how do you view that situation? Um, so I view it very much so that we, we do obviously have to put plasters on, on the problem, obviously the police help with that, but that's not really fundamentally solving the, the real issue. And the real issue is that our, our young people don't have enough to do on the Isle of Man. Um, and we really need to concentrate on building some kind of really great community and society, something for them to do. We need to liaise and talk to them about what they would actually want. Um, this is really quite a holistic approach. It's more, it's more fundamentally really, really building a society, a young society, and giving something back to them. Um, and I think that's really, really what we should be doing as a government. Thank you. Paul Quine. Yeah, and Claire's just touched that on, 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 on something for, for, for younger people to do. I mean, when I grew up, as many people in here will probably remember, this was actually the Paul Rose Youth Club, um, which was a, a focal point in the community for young people um, to, to, to gather and, 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 and to socialise. So we need to try and reconnect that because if we don't have... Um, such places, then, then, then children find their, their own entertainment and sometimes it can be uh, of an antisocial variety. So since I was uh, elected at the by-election last year, I've been working with the police very um, closely with Sergeant Graham Corran, PC Graham Best, who were appointed to be the, um, the neighbourhood police officers, the community officers for, for this area, and engaged with the councillors through what's called the, uh, the Hills Initiative. And there are serious issues in the, in the area. I mean, I, I've, I've sat with, um, with people who, who are part of our older generation who are actually f afraid to go out. I've sat with a lady who's in tears because of the antics of their neighbours. So we have to address these issues and we have, we have to ensure that people who do behave in such a way actually um, feel the force of the law and, and that they are the ones who are persecuted and not the uh, honest, decent people. But 100 yards away from here, there used to be a police station. Mm. I mean, and people will look around and see... So who made that sort of decision? There used to be neighbourhood police stations everywhere and we had bobbies on the beat. Sarah Maltby. Uh, I've got to disagree. I think there is a lot of things for children to do on the Isle of Man. However, it costs money uh, and people haven't got that money to spend at the moment. If you've got to decide on how you uh, prioritise your money, then spending 50 quid on a day out with lunch and tickets to different things, it's going to cost, it, it's too expensive. Um, we need to give people the opportunity to uh, upskill, to be able to get uh, employment, first of all, uh, and also to be able to give them the opportunity then to spend their money uh, on these uh, facilities that we do have on the Isle of Man. Sarah, yeah. teenagers. teenagers go? Where are these places that they're supposed? That you're talking about very young children. They do. There are quite a lot. I do yeah. agree with you. Yeah, where is the, where are the teenagers? For, yes. There's only pubs well, and places I mean, like that, and they can't actually we've come. Got, into we've got a football like club across the road. Yeah. You have to be sports. So we have we have a football club called the, with the, the shelter that's fallen to bits. Uh, we need to be invested in these in in, the, in those yeah. places. We need to be invested in that, not asking parents to uh, constantly um, try and entertain their children. As a government, we need to be able to find a way to be able to support community-based projects in order to be able to provide the facilities that you're talking about for teenagers. Do you teenagers? think there are enough police on the streets of the Isle of Man, in particular in Douglas South? Um, well, we know and that the police... Plainly, if older generation, the older generation are living in fear in their houses, it's the Isle of Man in 2021. How can that be? Andy, can I, can I just answer just that? Just let Sarah Maltby, if no, you the, have well, to say. Of course we need more police officers, um, but we need also not just police officers, but for, like, first responders, but people that might not necessarily, like you, um, 
like, like we do have, but like invest more into that area because I think if people just have, see a presence and they see somebody walking around, like, like you have your wardens, okay. uh, I think people would feel certainly more secure. Uh, okay, Claire Christian, then Paul Quine. Thank you, Andy. So what I was going to say um, is basically the uh, I, I've obviously gone in the night time with the police done one of those runs, and I was quite shocked that how there was only say three or four of the actually the vans that were one was in down south, one was you know they could be split. I was really shocked at how actually we are short of police, um, and that's something that we really need to look at and invest in, especially as crime is going up. Okay, um, Paul Quine. Yeah, we need to utilise the police better. I mean, they spend 20% uh, uh, of their time sitting in the station doing paperwork. Now, that has to be, you know, we have to cut down on the bureaucracy and get the police where they're needed, out meeting the people and assuring the general public. Yeah, people Can I have a point? Yeah, um, I was speaking to the Chief Constable only the other week. Now, he's got 219 officers, or 219 staff in his force. That may seem a lot, but when you think of shift work, when you think of cybercrime, when you think of drugs, financial crime, that doesn't add up to be an awful lot. So what I would also say, uh, yes, we need more police, but equally, what we need to do is have more joint up government because one of the things that Chief Constable was saying to me is when there are issues there's difficulties in talking to social services, in talking to education we need to be investing in early years well, You've been in uh, Treasury for how long? I've worked in Treasury for 39 years but I've worked on the tax side of things Andy. Right okay so you know all about empire building in, in the civil service, you know how as you mentioned silos inside government Yeah, and that's why, I, that's why how, I'm standing. But again how can you break that down? Because you've got to have a strong enough voice to break it down and I would hope that whoever gets in in this constituency will fight for that or Force of will? Yes it really has to be and it has to be shouting loud enough because you're doing it for the people out there and for not just the South Douglas community but for the whole of the Isle of Man. Okay Paul Quiet, everything has to be paid for and the businesses of the Isle of Man and the economy of the Isle of Man have to, has to go up. How are we going to do it? You're right Andy, I mean this is, this is the fundamental thing, we, we have to have a good, strong, robust economy because if we don't have an economy, we don't have anything. We can talk about police, we can talk about education, healthcare, pensions, everything else, it's all underpinned by the economy and you cannot give something to someone until you have first taken it from somebody else. So. We have to ensure that our economy is robust and flexible. We need to go out, we need to reach out into the world to ensure that we attract business in. Our biosphere needs to be promoted for all it's worth. We need to look at biotech companies looking to redeploy here. We need to embrace green energy because uh, I understand that the UK generates something like over £200 million a year from a stakeholder who has a wind farm on a, 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 a sea area approximately about 20% that of Manx territorial waters. So we need to engage in, in the new generation of stakeholders in order to build a new economy and to drive these services forward. Sarah Maltby. Uh, morally, pulling people out of poverty is not only the right thing to do, but it's a way of making revenue, uh, for increasing revenue. I agree with what Paul has said on the international and the national scale. However, if you don't look, at, uh, look after the domestic issues, then you've just plough money into patching up services that are never going to be fully funded or looked after. But who's going to create the jobs? Uh, well, you, first of all, you need to find uh, get people upskilled. You know, to get more vocational uh, courses and schools. You need to introduce these areas more early on. Uh, let people see that the Isle of Man is a good place to be. If they see that's a good place to be, they want to stay here. They buy a house here, hopefully, and they raise a family here. Uh, and then 
that's all put money into the system. At the moment, they're just leaving. So you might have the biggest and the most fanciest place for the Isle of Man to be. But if you can't get people to come and stay here, then it's, it's not worth anything. Uh, do you think the education, apart from the students who go to university, the Chamber of Commerce issued a report that said that 50% of the uh, students coming out of school that didn't go to university, um, they found them difficult to find jobs because they weren't properly educated. We need to change how we measure success. At the moment, success is based on how many GCSEs you've got, and we need to change that. Right. Uh, that's, a, that's a big piece of work, obviously. Yes. Uh, uh, but the ethos, it needs to be more holistic, more person-centred, and it needs to be able to say, that the Alaman is a good place. We look after our people here. We don't just say, well, you haven't got 10 GCSEs and you haven't got your A-levels and you haven't been to university. We're not interested. We need to look after the people, put the people first. OK, Gerard, here. We have to invest in apprenticeships and internships as well. We need to have more, excuse me, more courses available on the Isle of Man. We have to really invest in our young people, but equally we also have to grow and we have to diversify our economy because we are becoming increasingly dependent on various sectors within the economy. And But also, if we're wanting to pay for things, we need to cut the waste as well. We need to reduce the size of government departments. We need to stop the gold-plated projects and the project overspend. That's equally as important to me as well as growing our economy. Claire, Claire Christian, sorry. Thank you. We've got, uh, it's very similar, obviously, joined up government. That's one way that we can streamline and make more efficiencies. We want value for money um, in our government. Um, we have to prioritise our uh, actual spending and we have to communicate that and be really far more open and transparent about it. On the other side, in terms of the economy and people, um, as I said before, the, uh, we talk about diversity, but we actually do have quite a diverse um, economy here on the island, but it's made up of very small businesses, and that's because we don't have the bigger companies here. Um, so we do have to support those local businesses and, and show them and bring them along with how they can grow from a two-man business to a ten-man business so that other people from university can come in and they can be film producers, fashion designers, art designers, whatever that is. That's how we build up the diverse um, economy because you're not going to have 20 or 40 or 50 different industries on the Isle of Man. It is just not going to happen. We but we can spit, pick, sorry, we can pick very specific um, industries like biomed, fintech, and we can build um, jobs that way where there's sort of three or four hundred jobs. But again, that's all relative okay. to the education. Okay, we've just got five minutes or four minutes left before we go to questions from the audience. So I want to talk about just a very small subject, uh, the climate challenge. Uh, just for about a minute, Sarah Maltby. The climate challenge in a minute, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few uh, businesses on the Isle of Man already that currently don't receive the support or the encouragement that they could do, do with to be able to grow their business. Uh, if we make those, if we can support those places, uh, I'd obviously really support that as well. Um, but the, yeah, the climate crisis. I mean, the government is uh, in the UK. In a minute. <laughs> just in one, just in one uh, sentence then. The UK yeah. is introducing E10 petrol next month. 10% ethanol, the Isle of Man government has chosen not to do it while stating that we're going to be carbon neutral by 2030. And that's one thing they could have introduced straight away. Uh, solar panels, there are no solar panels, very few solar panels on government buildings. Do you think the government's connected with the, the do you think they take the climate challenge seriously? Uh, I think that all buildings going forward uh, on houses as well should be uh, 
properly insulated. Uh, that those things should be done before we even consider or give anybody any planning permission. Uh, that should definitely be part of legislation. Okay, Gerard Higgins. I think we need actual regulations to ensure that when work is being done on uh, existing properties or new properties, whether it's social housing or new builds, that we need to um, we need to be making sure that they are environmentally friendly. And I think we also need to be ensuring, and this ties in with the housing crisis as well, more urban regeneration. We've got sites like Park Road School, uh, we've got sites like the Isle of Man Prison. The government own those, they could be using them and building on them. Okay, Claire Christian. So let's make this clear. The people of Douglas South, they want to know how, how climate change, what they can do for climate change and how it affects them. So we need an administration that's going to be very clear and give you an estimate of when you, and what and when you need to do things, whether that might be heat sort pumps, whether that might be um, uh, solar powers, wh what you can do. And it's a very good point about the E10 as well. I think this administration's missing a trick on, on not bringing that in. I've looked into it, and I think it's something that we could absolutely effectively do now. The Isle of Man is, can make a change with climate change. Some people think that it's not, and it will be costly. But that's where we've got to get external investment, back to okay. what Paul was talking about, um, so that we don't cost that bill. But okay. Douglas South, you need to plan a clear plan of what you need to do going okay. ahead. OK, Johnny, bless you, sir, by the way. And Paul Quine. Yeah, uh, just touching on what Claire said, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to ensure that the future is properly mapped out and costed correctly because, ladies and gentlemen, it is you who will ultimately end up paying for this. So we have to ensure we have a proper map from where we begin to, where we're wanting to get to, and how we go about it. And it has to be properly laid out. As I say, we can't just set sail with blind idealism on this issue. So we have to look at it in a, in a wider context. We have to look at government buildings. We have to change the building regulations so as solar panels are incorporated into certain new builds. I mean, there's a, a new vehicle test centre, I think, um, being built. Where, you know, where's the ground source heat pumps? Where's the solar energy? I stood up in the House of Keys, and that's why the Manx Utilities Authority was reducing the tariff payments per uh, kilowatt hour from 9.2 to 8.2 pence, effectively an 11% cut for the domestic generation of electricity, in my opinion, just sends out all the wrong messages. OK, now it's time. Uh, we're live, by the way, at uh, the, Paul, uh, the Pinewood Community Pub in Paul Rose today with the candidates of Douglas South, Claire Christian, Gerard Higgins, Sarah Maltby and Paul Quine. By the way, there is what they used to call an old-fashioned uh, requisition meeting. Now they call the pre-election meetings. And it's Thursday, the 16th of September, that being a week tomorrow from 7 till 9 at Annika primary school and you're more than welcome to just uh, pitch up there we've got an audience tonight at Paul Rose so who's got a question for uh, the candidates uh, your name sir uh, good evening Frank Shingle I'm, and what's the question um, I'm one of the councils for Douglas South so the question is one I asked other candidates before and it's probably one of the most important ones um, the last administration was supposed to reduce the size of government it was a big thing everyone talked about um, the size actually went up um, what will you do to reduce the size of government to make things more efficient so in five years time we don't sit here with another thousand more people Paul Quine well we can look at certain outsourcing um, my background is commercial aviation I think uh, um, when I started work at Manx Airlines many moons ago, practically all the employees at the at Ronaldsway Airport were government employees. A lot of that has been outsourced, but we can look at, uh, at, at, at other uh, outsourcing of that, such as um, fire, um, the fire brigade, for instance. Uh, in addition, as, as um, 
it's all fair and good saying about cutting the, the amount of people in government, but we also have to look at increasing the amount of people in government because we want more teachers, we want more policemen, we want more GPs, mm -hmm. you know, we want our hospital better staffed. So we have to actually qualify how we go about it. We need to cut out the waste. There's no two ways about that. But that shouldn't put us off from actually recruiting the brightest and best into the government to ensure our future. OK, well, this is your mantra, Gerard Higgins. We need to see uh, an emphasis more on frontline services, like Paul said. We need those GPs, we need those teachers. But we also need to reduce the workforce. We need a transfer away from the bureaucracy and layers of management into providing frontline services for you, but we equally need to save money. If you actually look at the public sector turnover over uh, um, a year, you will find through natural wastage and retirements, etc., that you lose about 5% of your staff. If you saved 1% of that in year one, 2% in year two, 1% equals £4 million. Because if you actually look at the government accounts, the wage bill for government is actually £414 million. Irrespective of what's said in the newspapers, if you actually tot everything up in the government accounts, it's £414 million. So saving 1% a year, £4 million the first year, £8 million the second year, you can save up to £60 million in the first administration, a hundred million pounds in the second administration. But equally, we have to convert a lot of those management jobs into the frontline services for schools and hospitals. Claire Christian. So, uh, come back to joined up government, because actually what a joined up government means, and we've just seen this during the COVID pandemic, we've proved that government can actually work together. You can move employees to other departments when there's pressure zones there. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to make it far more flexible. And this is actually great for the employees because they can learn new skills, they can upskill, they can move and they can move into higher senior roles. And actually that's far more beneficial. So it is about cutting off the fat is what my, what my colleague said, Paul Quine. Um, it, it's about cutting off that, but actually looking at the government as a whole and working it in that way. Sarah Maltby. Uh, kind of what Kelly just said there, we need to be actually asking people what their skills are, what their, how, how can we use people uh, more smartly. At the moment, uh, it, it's not... That doesn't happen. So you you just think, well, we need more people to be able to do this. But for, coming from a background from working in government for a long time, and obviously working in a place where we don't get new staff, or when yes. we do get staff, it's kind of like, well, you could have had two ESOs for the price of that member of staff, you know. And that that really is what it is. Uh, but we all work hard in government. People do. Uh, but I think, like I said, it's just about working smarter um, and making sure that that when decisions are made, everyone's involved in that decision making, and you understand if people feel like they're getting value. For money, they don't necessarily uh, have a complaint with that. When they what they have a complaint with, is people perceived to be taking in a lot of money and not doing a lot for it. And that's it. the percent. Well, for many people, perception is reality. And, uh, yeah, and that's what we need to find out. Is, is what is the reality? Data on the Alaman is. Uh, historically very poor. Uh, we don't have a very good record of um, keeping records and uh, sharing that data as well. So if we could do a little bit more of that, then maybe we might find that you would have a group of staff that would quite happily take on another area uh, uh, and to develop that. OK, uh, any more questions from the audience in there? I've got loads that have been sent in. Anybody else there? In that case, I want to go to poverty. Uh, and a message that came in just to say, um, we talk about the rich people on the Isle of Man, uh, but how can there be a layer of people who are struggling to get by when they talk about no unemployment on the Isle of Man? Claire Christian. 
So poverty is on the Isle of Man, and, and I think it was a quite a big realisation in the last administration, which is shocking, but we've really got to address this, and I see this for, from, a, from a constituency level, that it, it's so important that just little things like, um, I mean, I'm an employer, I pay my staff um, the living wage, I think that's really important. Um, that can help contribute to my staff um, being able to con contribute back to the economy, um, and, and also obviously paying higher national insurance and taxes from a business point of view too. Um, I think that we need to try and move towards that. We, the government have already uh, agreed that in the last administration, so we've got a five-year plan now to, to address in this next administration to bring everybody up to the living wage. This should hopefully bring a lot of families out of poverty. In my manifesto, I also talk about, because we've obviously got a low birth rate as well, and I talk about how we should actually fund like many other countries do, um, a, a, a fund for people who um, have a baby in the first year of their, of their term. And this really gives them far more support to be able and encourages people to, to have children. Because um, at the moment, they're, they're struggling with the decision of having more children or going back to work. And this just isn't acceptable. OK, Paul Quine. Yeah, poverty, the fact that it's around should, is, a, is a shame on all of us, really. Uh, in 2021, that, that people are, are actually living in, in, in Douglas South in abject poverty, and people who I've, uh, who I've had uh, course to visit over the, over the course of the last year um, with children and, and older people as well who have become isolated from the community. They, they, they effectively have ceased to live any, any sort of active life. So we need to address the wide spectrum of poverty, how it affects people. And, and basically, I mean, I, I went to the food banks to speak with Mr. Mellon, who's, who's doing a fantastic job there. But there are different types of poverty. There are people who use the food bank who are actually asset rich, but cash poor. So we have to, you know, we have to work with people like them to, to ensure that, you know, we, we give the best to our people to help, help them actually work themselves out of poverty, as Claire's um, just touched upon. Sarah Maltby. Well, we, we, the statistics tell you that any children on free school meals, uh, gen generally tend to underperform when it comes to um, education. So that we know that this is a problem and it's been a problem right from the very beginning. So breakfast clubs, we need to introduce more uh, options for that, making it free. I don't think we should be asking people to pay for a service that really uh, we should be providing. Um, I feel like we need to uh, give our people the best opportunity to learn and if we don't give them the best opportunity to learn then how are we expecting people to be able to get uh, where they need to get to it, can, it can often be though can't it you have a young family maybe a couple of children and they simply can't afford childcare for, for people yeah. to go out to work yeah. so they're trapped before and after school childcare is notoriously very difficult to find and, and to pay for yeah. uh, you know when we talk about the, it goes back to the question before you know how can we the, the before and after school childcare can be can range to like sort of ten to fifteen pounds, you know, just for an hour, uh, and you have another child, and then it kind of goes up. It, it, it's, it's very expensive, um, and but obviously it's very important because these are your children that you're giving over to somebody else, and you, I'm not expecting it to be free, uh, but at the same time it needs to be yeah. um, affordable for people. Okay, Gerard Higgins. From a tax background, what I've seen in the past is yes, we just keep putting up personal tax allowances, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't put them up to some degree, but the trouble is if you don't pay any tax, then you're not benefiting from that at all. So I want to see some of that money being invested in helping with childcare costs, helping with energy bills, because what I'm seeing going around the constituency is people living in abject poverty, and we really need to, by the end of the term of this administration, 
have wiped out poverty on the Isle of Man. We are a wealthy nation. If people aren't getting paid enough and they're skilled enough, does that mean we have some lousy employers then who aren't paying the proper no, well, wages? No, well, we, we've also got to work on that as well, Andy, because we need to have we need to have a minimum wage, something of the past. We need to be working to having a living wage, and we also need to be locking in to ensure that that's inflation. And just just as well. on that, the government the government is the worst example. I mean, we have how many zero hour contracts? We, we need to um, lead by example. Okay, I Paul. Think, I think the uh, the movement up to the living wage. I think we'll put about five thousand one hundred and eighty pounds uh, per year. Uh, in, in, into the pockets of those families, but we need we need to address the issue of education. We need, you know, I I, I was brought up in a, in, in a tight sort of um, um, house where, where my mother had to budget. You know, my mother I, I only had so much money to spend every week. You know, by my father, and she had to budget to ensure that myself and my my three siblings and her and my father were fed, and, and she managed it every day. So it's about actually teaching people to make the best value of the money that they have. Okay, uh, we got a question, and your name, sir, is. Oh, madam. Hi, thank you. It's Marion Kenny. Uh, the funding of long-term nursing and residential care is a pressing issue for the Isle of Man. The UK government's going to... Sorry, yeah, the UK government is putting up taxes to pay for social care. What should the Isle of Man do? Gerard Higgins. Well, I see what the UK government's planning on doing. They're planning on raising national insurance. In raising national insurance, you are hitting the everyday people in our community our supermarket workers, our nurses, our frontline staff, that only last year we were praising for the work that they did in the pandemic. We shouldn't be doing that first and foremost. But what we need to do is we need to take stock of our current position. I'm going back to what I was saying earlier. We need to look at where the waste is, where savings can be achieved. And then we need to decide how we're going to actually split those out. Because we shouldn't have this knee-jerk reaction of let's go and get extra money for social care at the moment. Because my worry with it is it's going to hit those people hardest. The workers in our community, it's going to squeeze the middle in our community, that squeeze middle in our community. And yet people who have got dividends, rental income, they will not be hit by national insurance. The wealthiest will be pay, will not be paying their fair share in this. Claire Christian. So since I've been elected, I've obviously worked in two departments, and one of the things that I've seen is the departments get given budgets which they spend, and they they have fear if they don't spend it, then they won't get it the next year. And we see this at the very top level all the way down. And this is what we've got to we've got to stop again. It's that joined up policy, joined up government. We've got to set budgets that are go across the way, not down the way. Um, and it's so important because actually, we, if we make cost benefits, cost savings, we don't have to uh, to um, raise the national insurance. Blair Christian, can they you just clarify that then for the for the, for the layperson? What do you mean if you don't spend the budget? So, um, so for example, if you get a, a two million pound budget um, and you and you don't spend that budget, you spend one point five million of it. It's very unlikely that Treasury will give you that one point five that two million the next year. There's a hurried approach, so, Andy. To so, and that that's that of course you're going to buy the extra folders buy the extra equipment or you know whether you needed to or not and, and it's at that level so I would say national insurance we do we should not absolutely be raising that um, for that purpose to to fund care I think we can look and absolutely address this situation that's one of the reasons why if I'm elected I want to go into Treasury so that I can absolutely address these issues on the forefront Sarah Maltby. 
If you're living on the Isle of Man and you're taking advantage of our lower tax uh, rates, then you should be, uh, have a social conscience, a social responsibility to look after our social care. End of story. OK, Paul Quine. I mean, you know, Jared, Jared touched on it and also what Claire said, the, the fact by putting up taxation, you actually end up with less money in the pot because all it does is drive wealthy people who pay tax off the island into the arms of our competitors. So it actually has a, has, has a negative effect. The way we need to go about it is, is rightly like Claire says. I mean, if you look at department after department, that was an idiotic incident with the, with the slock resurfacing um, back about eight years ago. I mean, departments spend the money like drunken sailors as it comes up towards the end of the year because they fully know that it will not be getting it in the following year. So we need to look at how the funding is dished out and that way we can make the savings to put in to help uh, uh, help address the issue. Of now, a lot of people know that, but there may be many voters, and maybe young voters, who don't know that principle of government. If mm. by the 31st of March you haven't spent the money, you won't get it, it won't come back to you. Why, why is that then? Well, well, it, why isn't it rolled over? It covers, it covers such a vast um, part of, of, of government, uh, Andy, and it's all about procurement. You know, it, it's about again what we said before about the silos of government each having their own budget each um, procuring their own contracts we need we need to take that out we need to to cut out that waste cut out that marzipan from the cake and be able to be able to actually fund something that people come to have a proper business case for okay we've got another question your name sir yes, steve doyle and your you. question i really want to know how we're going to fund all these changes it's fine saying there might be some savings but we, we've spoken here tonight we need more gps we need more police um, we're also going to have, similar to the UK, the issue that Boris is facing at the moment where NI is going up so that people don't have to sell their homes. That's going to become an issue here in the Isle of Man. We've got the landing uh, port in Liverpool, which is escalated beyond all comprehension. OK, can I just ask you one thing, sir? In principle, do you think that it's the government's job to provide social care for older people? Yes, would be my answer to that. Okay. I also would like to just pick up on what Paul said about wealthy people coming to the island. Okay. We have lower, we have good tax rates here. Why shouldn't they pay a little bit more okay. in income tax? Oh well, let's go to the man who's been working in income tax, Gerard Higgins. What you, oh, come. Uh, if, if, if we look at in terms of tax caps, now that, that that can be seen as quite controversial, but if you look at the last time I think the Treasury Minister said in 2017-18, in terms of tax national insurance, that was worth. £36 million pounds in terms of the employees that were directly related to people that had come in uh, who were tax caps and brought their business to the island. They pay their own tax liability. What you have to be careful of here is that you don't drive them away. We have to remain competitive against the likes of Guernsey or Jersey. And, you know, I agree with what Paul's saying here. We've got to be careful. If you drive them away, we can actually be in a worse position and lose tax receipts. We don't only lose the tax receipts, we lose the jobs, we lose the spend in the economy from those people who are contributing um, through VAT to our VAT sharing agreement with the United Kingdom. It can have an effect right through the economy. Paul Quine. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, the whole the whole thing of, of, of social um, care for, for, for older people, I, I personally, it's in my manifesto, I, I want to see more sheltered housing um, built like Hazel Court, like Saddle Muse, so people can live in their, in their older years with the dignity that they wish, you know, where carers can come and visit them on a day, and the, uh, on a daily basis, rather than sitting in, in, a, in, in a residential care home. I mean, the cost of staying in Salisbury Street residential care home for one year is £57,000. It would be cheaper to live on an ocean liner. 
and you'd get your bedding changed every day. There'd be non-stop entertainment. You'd be fed and you've got a fully equipped hospital on board. You know, in Salisbury Street, you don't even get a bar of soap. But who's your money. making a profit out of that, Paul? Somebody's well, making that's a exactly, profit. That's what we need to be. That's what needs to be ordered. Okay, uh, Sarah Maltby. Uh, I think it's a fallacy. I don't think people would leave. Uh, I think that people that come to the Isle of Man uh, will stay on the Isle of Man. They, their children are in our schools. Uh, they, they, I think more. If you, this theory has never been tested. Have we ever tested it? Have we ever? We uh, haven't have, seen tax well, capital. Well, well, we yeah. it and they go. How do we yeah, get them back? Yes. Well, listen. That's it. They've gone. The hair's round. But in the, in the UK, the, the Isle of Man would still be. Uh, a desirable place to be for those people because the tax would never get to the levels that it is in the UK. I, I understand your point about Guernsey and Jersey. However, uh, I think that we still have a very favourable um, system over here that people would still uh, come to the island. We have put the tax cap up from 100 to 200,000 pounds. Okay. Where's that tipping point? Okay, uh, I just want to ask you one thing, uh, Sarah Mulby. I mean, do you think we ha we have a demographic time bomb coming our way? The Isle of Man, as Claire Christians mentioned, the birth rates falling. We have people getting older all the time. There is a time bomb coming. We do need to to fund social care. Where would that come from? Older people, uh, I don't think, should be classed as a time bomb. You know, Do you think we, we should sequester people's private assets then? Do you think people should have to sell their houses no. to go? I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who fear that that's what's going to happen, that they're going to be buried a pauper because they're going to have everything taken away from them. And that's a real fear that people have. Uh, people shouldn't be living with that fear. Claire Christian. So back to your question about where, where the funding will come from. Um, I, I actually go back to my last question. Obviously, I'm talking about streamlining the government, we're joined up government and looking at budgets. Um, but also there's, um, you know, there's definitely, uh, I mean, investments that's really really key right now long-term investments um, so that it can rev uh, generate revenue um, one thing I would say about um, uh, her nursing care fees and things like that is there also does need to be some regulation on it because at the moment I've met many constituents that even just in this last August um, the home care fees have been put up by six thousand pounds a year with very very little notice yeah. um, and they're, they're they're paying for this privately themselves Themselves, and this is an absolute strain on them and that the government need to put in regulation with this and they got one month's notice for this and this is really appalling that people got treated in this way okay and another question sorry sir I, I agree with your comments on the tax cap but I dispute that the tax cap has been attractive to what the island probably thought they would get out of the tax cap I don't think we've had an answer yet to say in reality how all these changes will be funded. We, we need more, you, you mentioned young people looking for uh, employment. Mm. The fact is I don't think we have enough choice for young people in terms of industry, commerce, whatever. So I think well, you're we, talking about diversifying the economy. Correctly, yeah, so to, yes. I think we need something drastic in okay, terms well, it's, of it's diversity. It's no coincidence that last week Strix new factory opened in China uh, so how do we get different uh, and diverse industry to the Isle of Man, Paul Quine? It's a question. I mean, we, we, you know, our brightest and our best are leaving us and they're not coming back. You know, we have to get our, you know, our, our brightest and best back here to the island where they can support us and, and, they can, and they can drive our own economy forward. So the way I would look at it, um, you know, we need more doctors, we need more nurses, we need key workers back here. So from my profession, from aviation, I would take an abundance system. So if I was to join, say, EasyJet tomorrow, it costs about £25,000 to put a pilot through a conversion course, including the simulator work, etc. 
Now what you do is you sign a bond after that to ensure that you can't just clear off and work for another airline the following day. So you bond for five years. So that's what we should be doing with our, our younger people. We should be looking for people who wish to be doctors, wish to be dentists, you know, um, teachers, etc. And we should pay their university fees on the understanding that we bond them for five years, that when they finish university they come back here and they begin work here instead of drifting off. And I had an appalling incident, which was I spoke to a young gentleman this week. We talk about mental health. Now, I was a young gentleman who has um, he's got a degree in psychology through the Open University, which he, came, which he was awarded a 2-2. He's worked for autism initiatives. He works currently in mental health, although he's now um, handing in his notice because he's going on to do his master's. He's fluent in sign language. His partner is a psychologist as well. She specialises in child psychology. They are both Manx born and bred. He has asked for funding to help with his masters and he's been refused because he didn't have a 2-1. So this is a classic case of bureaucratic stupidity driving away the very people we need. They are Manx born and bred and they are, you know, they are, they, they are so upset by this they have no inclination to come back here to the island. Okay, Sarah Motley, how do we diversify the economy? Just on what Porter said before that, I don't agree that we should be bonding people to come back to the Isle of Man immediately. I think that we should allow our young people to go off and see the world, find out what's going on and bring those skills back to the island. We make them back, but if you haven't got the house to give them, then how on earth can we um, say uh, promise them a, a life uh, that we've, they, they deserve? Gerard Higgins. We've got to make the Isle of Man an attractive place for them to come back to yeah. as and when they do come back in terms of yeah. affordable housing, education, family a friendly. decent health service, family friendly. Okay, Claire Christian. So I, I agree with Sarah, actually. Yeah. I think it is really important, and I'm, I'm proof of the pudding. I went away for 20 years, and uh, I worked in the fashion industry. I lived in Italy. I lived in New York for some of that time as well. And, and I came back to the island, and I'm investing back in that. And yes, you might have wanted me 10 or 15 years younger, but I came back when I did. Why did you come back? Um, family. I came back to be yeah. with family for that reason. I wanted to be closer to family. I think a lot think of people do really that, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Isle of Man has a natural draw. You get to a certain point where, where you actually, you, you've had enough of Mayfair and you want to come back to here. Um, but I would say about diversification. So what we want to do is, and I spoke about it before, industries, you, if you pick the film industry, for example, we're really, we, we absolutely, that, that was such a massive mistake that the government made. You could have had script writers, you could have had continuity, you could have had film producers, you could have, the, the, the jobs that that could have provided were huge. Catering, everything, cleaning, it could have reached very, very many sectors and that could have been a really good industry for us. Okay, uh, we're in Douglas South, so I want uh, just a very quick word from all of you about uh, Dingy Douglas and how we can make Douglas more attractive. Sarah Maltby. Uh, Dingy Douglas, wow. Brownfield, uh, Brownfield yeah, sites, Brownfield, broken pavements. Yeah, yeah. Brown, yeah. Brownfield sites need urgent development. We shouldn't be giving away our greenfields to uh, any more developers. We need to invest in those areas and make those areas work for us. Paul Quine. Yeah, I mean, you remember the concept of Douglas 2000? What happened there? I mean, that's 21 years ago, and we're still talking about it now. So, yeah, we, 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 we you know, national government needs to work with the, with, with the corporation, and we need to identify, you know, what's wrong and how we put it right. Claire Christian. 
Um, well, I actually, uh, I, I, in Douglas South, I'm actually really proud of yeah. how people look after their properties and look after their places around them. And I have to say, I think it's fantastic, and I've really okay. seen that over but this But look time. at Victoria Street. It's crumbling. The road is crumbling. So Victoria Street's obviously where my store is. That's and why I, I said can, it. I can tell you. <laughs> um, and I take pride in my store. I will get out and I will go and jet wash those pavements myself. And that's you can't what mend I the do. road. I can't mend the road, no. But okay. Gerard Higgins. It's, it's back to what we were talking about at the outset. It's back to basics. It's making sure that our roads, our infrastructure is supported. And also, with what Sarah said, with regard to brownfield sites, we need to be developing on brownfield sites. Forget greenfield sites. Each candidate will now have a minute to sum up. Claire Christian. Remember, when you come to vote on the 23rd of September, I am the candidate who has continued to be the conduit between businesses, self-employed people and the government. Treasury, I also challenge Treasury to implement the isolation capacity benefit, which helps support you those 14 days where you had to isolate. I will always put Douglas South constituents first and I will look for the problems that will affect you. I will focus on the services that government provide and strive to get that right for our current population so growth can happen later. Our existing and growing economy, affordable housing, a robust mental health system all affect the constituents of Douglas South. I am the candidate who is strong, decisive and not afraid to challenge government to do better because we must do better. Gerard Higgins. Thank you, Andy. On the 23rd of September, you have a chance to turn the tide. You can either continue with the inefficiencies, the endless layers of management and the spending spree on wages and projects, or you can make sure that the money that you contribute to pay MHK salaries and to spend on your behalf is used for what matters to you. It is time to park the gravy train once and for all. We need better frontline services and financial support in healthcare and education, better roads and pavements and a better tomorrow for future generations. I believe I have the skills, experience, energy, dedication, compassion and above all the ability to listen and support you, the people of Douglas South, for the next five years. If you want actions rather than words, solutions rather than problems, I would ask you to please vote Gerard Higgins on the 23rd of September. Sarah, Sarah Maltby. Sticking up for people and putting people first is what I do best. I've been an employer representative for a number of years and I have a track record of continuously fighting for workers' rights. I'm right, sadly one of the minority amongst people that after, after attending university returned back to the island. As a home bird, there was no question I would choose to settle here. I'm incredibly proud to be Manx, but it's not working for, my, for everyone. I've been on the periphery of Manx politics a long time, but it's time now to help form policy and play my part in supporting the community and Ireland that helped raise me. We've heard a lot tonight about international and national agendas. I want to look after the people, domestic issues is where my strengths play out, and I really hope that you can support me on 23rd of September. Thank you. Paul Quine. Ladies and gentlemen, as a proud Manxman, it's been an immense privilege to have represented you, the people of Douglas South, since I was elected at the by-election last year. In that time, I'd like to think I have striven to work as hard as I can for the constituency, rolling up my sleeves and getting stuck in, addressing many issues as well as not being afraid to take the government to task and scrutinise it on issues such as the steam packers employment practices, MUA tariff reduction for private generation of electricity and wasted money at Ronaldsway Airport. And so I seek your confidence again. 
The time that lies ahead for our island will require representatives with experience and who are not afraid to speak up for what is right, such as a strong economy, affordable housing and investing in our youth. I am just such a person. I have gained that experience during my time as your representative and have never been afraid to take my feet and speak up for you and your family. So please, on the 23rd of September, think positive, act positive and vote Quine. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night Manx Radio is going to be live in Laxey at the shore for the constituency of Garth. And on Friday we'll be at Peel Golf Club for Glen Faber and Peel. And I would urge you, you've seen the candidates tonight, not just for Douglas South, but when they come knocking on your door, remember these people have given part of their lives over the past few months. They're putting their heart and soul into this and they obviously want you to connect. So I urge you to speak to them, to think deeply about what you're going to do uh, two weeks tomorrow when we get to that general election. And of course, you can go to manxradio.com. Everything's there, including the translations in Manx, Russian, German, Portuguese, Ukrainian, Chinese, Afrikaans, Greek, Hungarian, and Polish. We've got an election timeline, information for voters, everybody who's standing on there as well and the ones who've agreed to do videos and do podcasts are there as well there's lots and lots of background we've even got videos in strand street with drunken <laughs> in, in Dungey, and they look very nice elliot turner was there took his uh, life in his hand uh, ladies and gentlemen i want to, uh, to thank claire christian no, and yeah. gerard higgins and sarah motby and paul quiet tonight uh, and thanks you. to paul henry and everybody thank at you. the uh, paul rose community pub <laughs>